We have arrived at the final card in the sequence of Minor Arcana. It is the Ten of Pentacles or Discs, otherwise known as the Lord of Wealth. Kind of ending on a high note. Uh, this is a really nice card. So in this story, which we've told about all of the Disc or Pentacle cards relating to the World or Universe card, We've expressed that as the story of the return to the divine or the journey of the maiden. And in this final decan of Virgo, the maiden is returning to the source. She has found her bridegroom and she's either ascending or descending, depending on which myth you want to cotton on to. In the Capricorn cards, we talked about the primacy of the material world. In the Taurus cards, we talked about bridging those realms. And now in the Virgo 8, 9, and 10 of Disc or Pentacles cards, we're talking about the legacy passing onward, leaving this world behind. In the 8, we talked about refining and concentrating on our final product. The 9, we assessed its value and took pleasure in it, in its self-sufficiency. But in 10, as in all 10 cards, we talk about how it regenerates for the next uh, cycle. and. All tens are endings, but all tens are also beginnings. This one in particular is a, is a special ending <laughs> because it is the, the most crystalline of matter. It's the consumption of what we've been building throughout the disc suit. And consumption is an act of life, but it's also a death of a kind. What you must do to pass on the value and nutrition of the product in the Virgo digestion process. <laughs> And of course, there's an alchemical sort of uh, gold equals shit kind of thing going on in this card yeah. as well. <laughs> yep. So it's the Lord of Wealth. But isn't wealth also, it's not just about money, because wealth, I think, is cognate with wheel, like the common wheel, W-E-A-L, and that is like the well-being or the goodness, the benefit that people draw well, Crowley associates this card also with the great work and the completion yeah. in that sense. The sumum bonum, I yes. think he says. <laughs> yes. This is sort of the point of what we've been doing all along, the transmutation of lead into gold. Yeah. And here we have uh, Mercury doing its very best, as best as it can do. Yes. We've got Mercury as the magus and Mercury as the hermit. Exactly. Two forms of Mercury. Exactly. So Mercury. Both the youth and the old man. Yeah, the Senex and the, uh, yeah, and, and the Psychopomp and the Winged Messenger all together. The Trickster and the Wizard, the Loki and the Gandalf. <laughs> Mercury does so well in, in Virgo generally because it's both in rulership and in exaltation. Even though the exact exaltation degree was in the previous deck and in the nine of discs, we still expect Mercury to do very well here. And I love this card because I do have Mercury in Virgo and it's at 29 degrees of Virgo. So not only is my son in rulership in the face of first face of Virgo, which is a sun ruled decan, but my Mercury's uh, in a Mercury-ruled decan, in this final decan of Virgo. And 
I love everything that this Deccan has to offer. As and you I, should. <laughs> and you know what's interesting about this? This Mercury too. I think of this as the home of Hermes Chthonios, mm-hmm. the underworld Mercury, who is mm-hmm. a, a Mercury I have been becoming much more close to in the last year or so. This idea that Mercury doesn't just go wherever he wants. He's also has exclusive all access pass to Hades. And this is where he gets and a to duty use it. to and to a duty to carry to souls. souls there exactly. So the lantern of reason, the sun, and everything that the that the hermit carries down. There's also the light of the souls of people who have passed, which is interesting to think about. So other Mercury cards are Mercury in. Uh, well, we here we are Mercury in Virgo, ten of discs, wealth. We have Mercury in Sagittarius, swiftness, um, swiftness. Uh, that's the one where your Mercury is, yep. right? So we both have Mercury and Mercury ruled decans, yep. which is kind of neat. Yep. Um, then you have Mercury in Aquarius, uh, six of swords, science, Mercury in Taurus, wah, wah, uh, mm-hmm. five of discs, worry, and Mercury in Cancer, three of cups, abundance. So uh, wealth, swiftness, science, abundance, and worry. All of which are aspects that uh, that we ascribe to Mercury in his many, many forms and roles. So I think, you know, your Mercury, Sagittarian Mercury, is the one who is the fastest. Mine is the one who deals with the dead. <laughs> <laughs> you could kind of say that I think the Aquarian Mercury is a very magical Mercury. Definitely. Yeah, a decoder yeah, ring Yeah, decoder Mercury. ring Mercury, yes. <laughs> Mercury and Cancer is kind of lucky Mercury, I yep. guess. Yeah. And yours is the travel Mercury too, by the way, Mercury and Sagittarius. Yep. And then Mercury and Taurus is just like neurotic worrywart Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and the other reason I think that this is, you know, I associate this Mercury with the underworld is because he's associated with the harvest time when you're taking the fruits, cutting them off. That's the point. It is the death of everything, but also the moment to extract maximum nutrition from it. And that's uh, the death of one thing leads to the life of another. So there's a real transitional quality to this time, 20 to 29 degrees of Virgo or the September 11th to 20th. And that makes sense with the harvest because the um, the star speaker is in this decan. Yeah. The wheat shaft, the ear of grain. It's sort of like the plant gives what it has to give and then it retreats into its secret self. For another year, the grain gets scattered along the Milky Way. Yeah, it, we've we've talked about the fruit a lot, but we haven't talked as much about like the botanical function of the seed, which is to sleep through the winter and then wake up again in mm-hmm. spring. Yeah, yeah, which is another sort of like uh, you can think of the lantern as being a seed that way. Other cards of exaltation we've kind of talked about a little bit before when we were talking about Venus and Fall in the last card. But it's kind of interesting to think about cards in exaltation because you see a very pure expression. Uh, so for example, Mars as in Capricorn is work, three of discs, sun as virtue in three of wands in Aries, uh, and moon as success in Taurus, six of discs, and of course, Saturn as sorrow in three of swords. But you know that even though it's work, virtue, wealth, success, all very strongly positive versus sorrow, I actually think that three of swords sorrow is very pure. There's something about it that's not, you know, just sad, right? There's something that's very realistic. And uh, we've talked about Saturn as contracts kind of a thing. 
I think there has something to do with commitment and discipline in that card. Not just everything sucks. <laughs> we talked about exaltation, but I also wanted to talk about rulership. You know, we talked about Mercury as being exalted in Virgo. Mercury also rules Virgo, which we see in this card. And we see that also in like the Nine of Cups, Jupiter in the Deccan and in the sign. That's Jupiter in Pisces. And then we also see it with Mars in both Aries and Scorpio, uh, Two of Wands and Five of Cups in Ruler of Deccan and Sign. So Lord of Dominion and Disappointment or Loss. You know, if the exaltation was a very pure expression, I almost want to say that the rulerships are a very strong expression. You know, wealth, happiness, but also dominion, you know, power and loss. Yeah. Here we've definitely got, with the purity of Mercury, the lord of commerce. I mean, what is the end goal of commerce? Yeah. To, to accumulate wealth. Exactly. Makes money. Yeah. Hard, cold cash. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Mm, it's so interesting to think about the the life of coin that we've seen throughout these two through 10 cards, you know, the, the transactional stuff, what it can buy, what it can build, how you hold on to it in the two, three and four. And then what happens when you lose it in the five? What happens when you use it appropriately in the six? What happens when you invest poorly or don't see the fruits of your efforts in the seventh. And then in the eight, we saw how you use it to improve, how you use it for pleasure in the nine. And here we are with just what else can you do with it? Just pass it on, yeah. pay it forward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the life of money. So the associated cards we talked about a little bit are the, the magician or magus and the hermit. Lord, do I love those two in combination. Yeah, it's almost like the hermit is the just the older form of Mercury. Yeah, all grown up all and grown responsible up. and yeah. shit. <laughs> you know, it's interesting to think of Mercury as like this great manifester, you know, magician for whom all things are possible, infinity sign guy. But he's also known as the friend to humans and not all things are possible for us. So it's like when we run up against the end of our possibility, he's there to help us get yeah. where we need to get. And that's something I really love about the Mercury figure. It's like, even though basically not his problem, he still gives a shit, you know, or at least he's there to help. Or he can take your message to the God who needs it. Yeah. He's the guy who helps you get beyond this one life that you have. Or I should say the God you need, because they don't need yeah, us. <laughs> they don't need us. And it's interesting, like the, you know, it's it's slightly problematic to conflate gods, but a mercurial figure in Orisha is Elegua, the um, god of doorways. And in any sort of ritual you do, you honor Elegua first, because you're not going to get anywhere. The words are not going to come out your mouth. You're not going to open any doors. Nothing's going to happen without him. And that's kind of how I feel about Mercury. It's like, without Mercury, you're stuck. We, as we've talked about before, the hermit figure kind of puts the emphasis on the above-below journey of Mercury, the sort of ascent descents that he does, not so much the, you know, traveling between places and people. Mm thing that he does. But it's more about um, being able to cross over. Less about writing and more about death. <laughs> yeah. You know, we talk about the magician as being an as above, so below figure. This is very much the below part of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the roots of the tree, 
the uh, the underworld of the of the soul where it goes after death, and also the material world itself as the below portion of as above, so below. We've talked about Gemini versus Virgo as theoretical versus applied. In every model that you look at, Virgo and Mercury in Virgo have to do with the lower portion of whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> the buck stops here. The buck stops here. <laughs> the dustbin of matter. So, um, Kabbalistically, Malkut, the kingdom in Asiya. We talked about how Asiya basically means, has to do with the completion of an action. I think it translates to Yah, or God, has made. In this card, we're talking about, isn't it Lan who likes to talk about the four worlds as sort of a, he has a chair metaphor, making a chair, yeah. and then how the last stage is, I finally get to sit in it yes. and I can rest. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I think of like these final cards of Virgo as getting to rest, rest getting slash to sit die on the on the throne. Because <laughs> I think he also calls this card the cosmic constipation card. It is. It does. It's great. It's great. Another translation of Malkut is royalty or mm-hmm. empire. You can see a lot of cognates of this term Malkut throughout. I think in. Um, all sorts of Semitic languages, like there's Malak, which also means, you know, kingly. I think that's Arabic. But it generally, the emphasis is on the thing ruled. Both the terms for the ruler and the thing ruled are tied up in that arrangement of phonemes. The virtue of Malkut is discrimination or discernment. Do you have that too? Yes. Which is like ultra Virgo. Yeah. You know, the, the idea of good judgment Versus inertia or avarice. Yep, which that's you can what I have too. Which you can see both you can inertia see. and avarice in in this card, or those are the dangers of it. Right. It's sort of like it's prudent. Again, that concept of prudence we we associate both with the eight of discs and the world or universe card. It's prudent to amass money. And then there's the gain. Mm-hmm. And then here it's like. Okay, but don't get stuck there. Keep it flowing. Keep it flowing. Use it for something. Give it to your children. Plant it in the earth so that it can blossom again. For me, this card also has a lot to do with the body itself. You know, the body is the the temple of spirit. And what are you going to do with that? Yeah. How are you going to spend, so to speak, your spirit? In your, in your time in this body. There's a lot of references, I think, to like the animating intelligence within the body, whether it's this represented by Sun or Mercury. You take care of the body, but without that animating intelligence, it's just a husk. Yeah. It's sort of like when you see someone who has passed on and you see the body, you can tell there's nobody there. It's just gone. Yeah. Right? It's not like anyone mistook a sleeping person for a dead person for more than a second. Yeah. And I think that, like, that's sort of the idea of the Ten of Pentacles generally. If the animating spirit's not there, if the reason, you know, the meaning behind this wealth is not there, then it's just a burden. Then it's just cold, dead accumulation. If the king's not in the kingdom, 
It's no longer a kingdom. <laughs> the lights are on, but no one's home. So, oh, and the other thing that really ties into that is the idea that on the seventh day, which remember, we count the days of creation starting from Kesed, not from Keter. So from fourth Sephira to tenth Sephira, on the seventh day, he rested. Inertia. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You're done. <laughs> and he said it was good. Discrimination and discernment also seems to go really well to me with the Queen of Swords card. This is her shadow decan. One of her gifts is the ability to see the right use of things, to perceive when something has outlived its purpose and to separate it. That's also why I think there's something about widowhood, which we've talked about. We've talked about the mother and maiden forms of Virgo, but another form of the solitary woman is the widow. And so, you know, you kind of do maid mother crone with this. And that's the queen of swords aspect. The self-sufficiency through inheritance, separation, whether by death or divorce. The archangel of Malkut is the archangel Sandalphone. Mm -hmm. And again, that gathering quality of Virgo. He's the one who's supposed to gather the prayers of humankind into a garland. Interesting. That's yeah. very mercurial. Super mercurial. He also may have a role, I've seen this as well, in differentiating the sex of the embryo in the womb. So mm. again, discrimination and differentiation. Division. Yeah. yeah. Not to mention sort of like the Hermes Aphrodite thing mm -hmm. that we've talked about in the previous two episodes, the secret seed. You know, not so secret to sandal fun. Uh, he's called that. I think the sandal part actually does have to do with shoe, uh, shoes. He's supposed to be like beneath the feet of the Shekinah. So he's like the support for the Shekinah, the feminine spirit of the divine who intercedes for humankind. So he is part of that whole archetype beneath the feet yeah yeah it's very malkut and yeah as low as it goes yeah yeah whereas the archdemon uh seems to be some guy called namaa who causes epilepsy in children and works with archdemon lilith <laughs> hmm. so i never know how legit the stuff is that i look up about the archdemons there's always a lot more about the archangels than about the archdemons but they're invariably provocative. <laughs> That's what they live for. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. I also associate, I don't know if you do this, but I associate kind of memory with this card. I could see that. Maybe because of the past. Yeah, you know? the accumulation up to this point, you know, you've lived this long and then, you know, you can both look back and forward. Yeah, and the association of Mercury with the memory palace you know, as a, as an art of memory, mm -hmm. like sort of, and the way you do that is by having this massive room full of shit in your head, right? right? You right. know, it's like a kingdom in your head. <laughs> That's right. And you go room by room and object by object to try and remember things. And uh, yeah, there's, there's something about both the weight of memory and the art and skill of memory that are facets of the Mercury figure in here. Let's see. Deccans, I guess. So Picatrix, a white man with a great body wrapped in white linen. That reminds me of that. Wasn't it the eight where we had the young girl wrapped in old linen or something like that? Woolen cloth. I Woolen think it cloth. Was. Okay. 
And with him is a woman holding in her hand. Oh, shoot. I don't have the rest of this black something. Do you black have it? oil. Black oil. Which I was wondering, is that the healing black oil of cumin or is that like Texas mm. tea? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's Texas tea. It sounds very alchemical to me. Mm. You know, it sounds like the thing is both the poison and the cure. Like, Yeah, well, the black oil um, of cumin mm -hmm. is said to heal everything except for death. <laughs> wow. Wow. Some good stuff. That's pretty cool. So, uh, deck and signification debility, age, infirmity, sloth, injury to limbs, and the destruction of people. Ooh. Well, that yeah. last, you know, the, the image there with the body wrapped in a white linen mm -hmm. sounds very shroud like. It sounds like a shroud. Like a dead yeah. body. And in Agrippa, we have a white woman and deaf or an old man leaning on a staff. Hey, Gandalf. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Weakness, infirmity, loss of members, destruction of trees, and depopulation of lands. So this is why Austin calls this face the sarcophagus. Um, there's a lot about death in here. Mm -hmm. And I guess because, you know, as humans, we experience death as a fearful and subjectively very negative experience. But... You know, I think one of the lessons is the, of this card is that it's part of that cycle and that you have to reinvest the life of the person or their goods or resources into the life of what comes next. Otherwise, it's just, you know, dead weight, literally. The white references, I sort of feel like they're the almost like... Is that going back to Keter, you know? Maybe. That regeneration thing? Because from yeah. the 10, you go to one again? Right. And I think about white as like being leached of light and bleached like white hair. I'm thinking about this because Old I'm finally age. going gray. <laughs> but also the fact that in the next cycle, white will become, you know, you think of white as all colors, Right. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of like that transition from lack of color to all colors happening in here. Gandalf the White. Mm. That's who he becomes after his fall through the abyss, after his, well, as dead as he can be. After his rebirth. After his rebirth. Yes. Right. So, uh, cardomantically, there is a, a kind of interesting connection here. The Ten of Diamonds is associated with, with success. But it's also called Big Casino, <laughs> which I think is like you look at 10, you look at diamonds, diamonds are money. Yep. And it's like, it's like cha-ching, getting the jackpot yep. when you get it. And I think there's actually a game called Casino where this is like the most important card. And there's a lot of card games. I was just, I was just taught how to play Setback or Pitch two nights ago where the face cards all, you know, it's a game of gaining points and the face cards all count as one point, but the 10 counts as 10 and all the other cards don't count at all. <laughs> so there's something about the 10 that's special and valuable. And I think that's maybe what's going on with big casino. <laughs> <laughs> what did Atea say? Atea said, Oh, this is so interesting because all of his sort of, um, pentacles, discs, uh, you know, coins, cards are, they have to do with money, but he also associates this one with like castle, cottage, you know, places to live. So to me, that has to do with like the stronghold of the family, how wealth passes on, sort of like what we saw in the four of pentacles, who just how wealth passes on and is conserved within the family and is represented as built wealth as well, because you don't get a castle without a lot of generations of resources being built up. Reversed lot or fortune or game. So I guess the idea that 
with the upright meaning, you have the certainty of, and continuity of resources. In reversal, it's more uncertain chance fluctuation. So we're on Rider-Waite-Smith now, having a look at the Rider-Waite-Smith Ten of Pentacles. I love this card. I think it's so rich, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I love the sort of richness of the colors. And to me, it captures everything that is exciting and wonderful and beautiful and diverse about life on Earth. Of course, the big thing is the, that great big tree of life. <laughs> so unlike in the Thoth deck, where you see tree of life's on most of the tens, this one's different for Rider-Waite-Smith, this is the only place that the Tree of Life really appears in its entirety in the entire deck. So it really is special. It's a little squinched, you know. With yeah, the, there's a lot crammed in there. Yeah, I guess, you know, because she really wanted you to be able to see the scene that's happening behind. And it's interesting because those pentacles are not built into the scene the way like Five of Pentacles is part of the church or Three of Pentacles, yeah. you know. It's it, like overlaid. Yeah, it's like you're seeing through it, which is really interesting. It's almost like, you know, framing or a perspective on the world. There's two layers of understanding going on in this card, the foreground and the background. It looks like we've got the three ages of man going on here, too. We've got, you know, adulthood, childhood, and old age, kind of like the whole life journey. Yeah, I think that's a really important part of this card. The idea that the whole purpose of your having been here is to have something to leave a little bit of yourself behind and to remember where you came from. In terms of the journey of the maiden, I think it's kind of interesting because here you see her with her bridegroom in a way. Yep. I think of her as like maybe being that nine of pentacles lady because mm. she has that sort of tilted head in the same way. The features are a little bit similar. You know, if we talk about the journey of the maiden as being on her way to meet the holy guardian angel or the or the bridegroom, that guy she's talking to could well be that figure. Yeah, and she's wearing red, the color mm -hmm. of Bina, where he has that kind of blue cloak, but he also has that solar color on his shirt. Yeah, and you don't get to see his face mm -hmm. because the, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is invisible. <laughs> yeah, but you get to see his kid. Yeah, and the kid is pulling the dog's tail. What's up with that? <laughs> so I've heard that as sort of like a reference to, okay, end of the cycle, next is the fool, right? Dog and kid. Tail, tail is the end of the dog. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like this child will grow up to take that journey from the very beginning of the deck. Mm. That mm -hmm. kind of makes sense to bring in the fool as the new beginning that follows the ending. And even if you think of the number 10, a one and a zero, you have the magus, mercury, and the fool. The, the yeah. Begin again. yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I sort of think of the old guy one of the things I think of him as is like as the Senex Mercury, as the old guy, old Gandalf, and then with the fool over on the other side there. Yeah, the so, or, or Mercury as the trickster with the mm -hmm, dog's tail. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing I don't understand that in, in Waits' notes, he says the two dogs are accosting the ancient man, where it looks to me like the man is patting the dog on the head. Yeah, they look... Doesn't, they don't look like they're accosting him at not all. Not at all. Uh -huh. Not at all. I totally disagree with his characterization. <laughs> accosting an ancient person is seated in the foreground. Like, even the foreground dog looks like it's wagging its tail to me. I mean, that looks yeah. like a happy dog. <laughs> I really associate that image with the myth of Odysseus, where he comes home, he's beating 
beat up yeah. and battered and you know Only unrecognizable. His recognize him, right? He's yeah. it's a really sad story, actually. So, yeah, it is. So when Odysseus returns, he's a mess. He stinks. You know, he's covered in lice. He's uh, disguised. He's disguised he? yeah. exactly. A disguise is a theme of Virgo cards. But his dog is named Argus, which is interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, and Argus recognizes him. And Argus was his dog when he was young and in his prime. And he had taken wonderful care of Argus, but never gotten to go hunting with him or anything because he had to go off to the wars. And of course, by the time he came back, Argus was very, very old Aww, and also so very badly taken care of. He had been neglected Aww. by the suitors. It's a really sad story. And... So when he comes back, Argus is so weak. All he can do is, you know, wag his tail oh, just a little that's bit. The saddest thing it's the ever. saddest thing. And Odysseus cannot even, you know, acknowledge him because he's in disguise. But they see each other, right? Quote Nothing about makes the me end. sadder it's than the dog stuff. <laughs> it's so sad. I'm like crying. So Argus passed into the darkness of death. Now that he had fulfilled his destiny of faith and seen his master once more after 20 years. So, wow. Yeah. It's a long-lived dog. Yeah. Well, that, and that's interesting, too, because, you know, you have that theme. And then you have in the Thoth a card, you're going to see the Cerberus motif in the, you know, and, and in your card as well. Dogs and the Hermit kind mm -hmm. of go together. There's yeah. like a... And dogs also in the Magus in the sense of um, both Hermes and dogs are kind of psychopomp. You know, not just yeah. Cerberus, but Anubis. You know, yeah. there's the idea of dogs being crosser, you know, to the underworld and conductors of souls. Yeah, and the the idea that they see beyond what's right on the surface, yeah. you know, like in the moon card as well. Yep. Yeah, but and at the same time they're a friend to man. So they're they're very mercurial that way. They they have one foot in both worlds. Looking at the tree of life, you know, I associate dogs with the moon and they're kind of sniffing at Yasod. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have like the old Mercury figure, Odysseus like being the ultimate Mercurial figure but as a human, but he's at the hood. Mm -hmm. And then you have the feminine figure at Netzach, and you have the bridegroom at Tiferet. Uh, yes, yeah, so it all totally. kind of, you know, matches up if you look at it in that respect. In terms of like what she was doing contextually in history with this card, apparently the coat of arms mm. on the arch there is a stylized version of the flag of Winchelsea or Winchelsea. Um, which is a place where she stayed a lot and when she was if, painting. What about the other one? Does it have scales on it? I couldn't tell. The one below. The one it. below. Yeah, yeah, there's scales on it. And this is interesting. Well, this, this flag, first of all, the, the first one, those three little red ribbons on top. Mm -hmm. So in the actual flag, there are three lions. So she just sort of condensed them into this little graphic element. But there's also the castle and there's also a boat. If you look behind the castle, there's something sticking out on the right. That's mm -hmm. the prow of a boat. Oh. So three lines, a castle, and a boat. Like this idea of castle and kingdom in this card seems, you know, right on. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, and then underneath it, the scales. And I have not seen anyone break down why the scales of Libra are there. But Unless it's the Astrea Justice Virgo that's thing. That's what I was going to say, which is really good. I mean, the Astrea thing, it or is... Or the scales that weigh your money. <laughs> well, think about it. This Gold. is the one card... 
a Virgo that goes with the Queen of Swords who is associated with Libra. So, Or the scales of Anubis. Or the scales of Anubis, yeah. The weighing of the heart at the end of the journey. Right. So who knows whether Waite told her to put it there or whether it was something she channeled, but it actually seems mm. kind of apt. And what's me. going on on the left of yeah. all that? Uh, so there's sort of a mountain tower type thing yeah. going on to the left. That is from the tower card. Mm. Right. So and we talked about how, you know, Hode has that connection to Netzach through the tower. Mm -hmm. I think that that's implied there. And I can't tell what's above the tower. I can't either. I've never figured that out. There's something that looks sort of like water. There's something that kind of looks like a face. It does look like a face. It's even skin colored in this. this Yeah. Yeah. Could it be that the tower is, it is right across from where it would be on the Tree of Life, mm-hmm. it's just above Hod there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could think of the connection between Hod and Netzach just being indicated by that mm-hmm. tower being there, and then the face at the very top being like the crown of Keter. Does oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't or something know. above I don't there. Know. Why not? I would love to know what she was thinking. Mm. And the other thing that's always really puzzled me about this, which I have yet to understand better, is all of the designs on his beautiful robe of the old man. Yeah, I can't figure out what they are. I see grapes. Yeah, the um, grapes for sure associated with the But King I don't know Pentacles. what the other designs are. They look to me like sigils yes, or like seals, right? They definitely Planetary look like Planetary seals. But nobody says anything about it. So I'm really curious to know what is going on with that oh and then there's also let's see what did i write in here oh yeah so kind of planetary references i thought i saw in here are the uh the big orange house (laughs) which is quite mercurial and then that tower next to it looks a little bit like a moon tower like if you if this if we're in malkut and if you look through the arch, you could see the moon tower of Yasod and then the orange house of Mercury to the left if you imagine yourself sitting in Malkut. Yeah, perhaps. It's just a way of looking at it. Or is that entrance or uh, or door meant to be the uh, door of Dalit between yeah. Binah and Hesed? Why not? Or Binah and Hokmah. Yeah. Or, you know, you could almost think of like the fact that they're on one side, the family is on one side, and the old man is on the other as something like the entrance to the realm of death, right? Mm. You know, there's a separation Mm. and the dogs are aware of him, but the others don't appear to be. He almost looks like he's becoming part of the... There might be some Yod hand reference there too with the fact that the old man and the child both have their hands on the dogs. Oh, yes. I didn't even realize he had his... The old man had his hand on it. Yeah, he has his hand on the dog. Yes, he does. dog's head in the foreground and the child has the dog's tail so head and tail beginning and end there's a connection between the generations that way that's really really cool and i can't tell is it the the bridegroom figure in the background or the old man that's holding the spear uh i I always thought being held by a hand but i can't tell where it's coming from yeah i always thought it was the bridegroom holding it with his left hand that's what i think too but i wasn't sure because it could almost be either yeah holding it with his left hand oh and you know something else you could sort of think of that scales it's between givura and tiferet just where it would be on the tree right so that's kind of interesting and the spear is kind of pointing towards Gavora. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny. All these things kind of seem like a stretch when you say them, but when you add it all up together, it yeah. kind of seems like the sum is bigger than the parts. Kind I wonder wanted- if that old man, too, um, the fact that we see him in profile, mm-hmm. the head in profile is a Keter image, you know, so another right. be- beginning and ending kind of thing. Yeah, the Macrocosopus. The ancient's head in profile. Mm-hmm. The ancient of days. Yes. <laughs> Funny, she had to put her signature up on the top. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> she doesn't do that anywhere else. She's like, I'm done. I wonder if this is the last card she did or if... Who knows? One of the court card, the princess or, well, I guess, who knows? Yeah. Or the king. Yeah. So Waite said that this was gain, riches, family matters, archives, the abode of a family. So again, those those themes of inheritance and memory, mm-hmm. legacies, uh, reverse chance, fatality, loss, robbery, and games of hazard. So he he basically took a Taya. This is like one of my favorite 10 of discs just because it's so rich with symbolism and you never quite know what is the story behind each part of it. All right, so um, on to Thoth? Yep. Okay. So... <laughs> Mercury all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yep, the uh, Cosmic Constipation card. (laughs) (laughs) That's a shout out to you, Lon Milo Duquette. (laughs) Cracks me up. Yeah, even though it's described Crowley as in a slightly negative way, you know, I mean, he talks about stagnation, but I always look at it and I see like the jackpot at the casino or, or at the slot machine where it all comes ka-ching, 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 you know, uh, coming down into the receptacle for you to gather. The, what's cool about this is all of the symbols of Mercury on those on those 10, well, minus the hood, uh, min- uh, on all those 10 sephira, which are also arranged in the Tree of Life formation. Yep, so we've got the regular old symbol of Mercury. That's uh, in Keter at the at top. Keter, yep. yep. And we've, okay, Hakma, yeah, we've got the... Um, that's supposed to be the planets united in the sigil of Mercury. Isn't that cool? So, like, it's, the got, j- it's got all of the planetary symbols combined yep. into one that looks mercurial. That's so neat. It and is. it's like, so his horn is like a Mars arrow on, on the right side. He is a sun face. And then there's like one arm is the, the Jupiter crescent. thing. Yeah. yeah. He's got the Jupiter, he's got the Saturn, he's got the sun. Yeah. And also the arms. Mm-hmm. of the figure are in the same position as the Magus arms. Mm-hmm. Um, as above, so below. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, that is cool. And then the third one, Bina, that's the alchemical sign yeah, for Mercury. The arrow at the bottom. Mm-hmm. The fourth one's weird. That's the only one I didn't know, which is Enochian. Yeah. Which is the, the letter, letter... Pa or Pe. Right. Which is equivalent to B in English, so... Or bet to bet in Hebrew, right? Which we Mercury, associate with Mercury and the Magus. So that was in Chesed, and then Gevura has the actual letter bet, mm-hmm. which it needs more of a foot on the back of it mm, to be a really yeah. good letter bet. But that's what it's supposed to be. And then uh, in the position of Tiferet, we have it says Raphael, yeah. um, angel of Mercury. Yep. Who is interesting? You know, the angel of Tiferet. Yeah, both the angel of Mercury and the angel of Tiferet, not the angel of Hode, interestingly enough. And he is the angel of healing as well. Mm. So that's kind of a nice thing to have. Uh, yeah, seeing as this is a card of the body. 
Right, right. The reconciliation of the um, body with the spirit. And then, of course, just your standard eight-point octahedron. Which is, it's kind of interesting that the eight-pointed star is is there in Netzach because mm-hmm. the sometimes you see an eight-pointed star on the star card. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, oh yeah, um, it's, that's it's right. Eight-pointed star is also with Ishtar, which is very Venusian. So yeah, I think it's a good. You fit. do see that. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's right. It's often eight-pointed, and I always wondered why it wasn't seven-pointed, but it makes sense. And then we have the exception in the in the sphere of Hode to the left of that, you have not a not so much a mercurial but a solar reference. Right. A hexagram within a hexagon. So two six pointed a six pointed star within a six pointed polygon, I guess. Right. And that so is six by six, the, the number of the sun. Mm-hmm. And the mystic number of Mercury is 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6. Plus 7 plus 8, which adds to 36. Which adds to 36. So 6 Sorry, by yeah. 6, the mystic number of the sun, 36. Magical mm-hmm. number of Mercury or mystic number of Mercury is right. the sum of the digits 1 through 8, which also adds to 36. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's both mercurial and solar, and I think it's represents that solar restart button (laughs) yeah because if it were all mercury there would be no animating intelligence to make you start again yeah right so it's the spark of life that has to be in the sphere of mercury for mercury to do his job the will of the father that's what uh that's what i think coley calls it and then that's the um and you sewed that pyramid is really cool because it's got all those numbers in it 864 260 and 2080 yeah. So 64, the magic square mm-hmm. um, of Mercury. Mm-hmm. Uh, 260 is supposed to be the uh, number of the angel of So, yeah, the gematria, if you the do sum. Tyriel, yes, the intelligence Tyriel. of yes, Mercury. Yes, the intelligence, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the um, 2080, which is the one for, how do you say that? Taftarthara. Suffering succotath. <laughs> I was like looking at it, I was like, oh shit, we're gonna have to say that. Yeah, right. uh, Spirit of Mercury, Tefthartharath, uh, I don't that's even know. Sum, that's the sum of his his, his name number or... 2080, yeah. Cause... But you know what's funny about that number 2080 in terms of Mercury is that that's the um, number of hours in a work year if you work a 40 uh... hour week for 52 weeks. Really? That's 2080. That's hilarious. I know that because I used to do payroll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know what's also kind of interesting? If you look at that. 864, 260, 2080, which it says inside the triangle, they each reduce, you know, 810, 810, right? Yep. So, eight, or 8181, eight, 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 or, you know, like that, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Also, it looks like a tetractus. Yep. And the idea that it's a pyramid and it's ascending, I think it's kind of like a little message that although this is a card of descending, then there's also the ascent too. Yes. <laughs> kind of emphasizes that. Right. Right. And then the final one down there in Malkut is a caduceus. And it's big, the biggest mm-hmm. coin of all. Big fat coin. And those, of course, are the mother letters Shin, Aleph, and Mem, which are associated with elemental fire, elemental air, and elemental water, which produce everything. Which uh, produces Earth. And here we are in yeah. Earthy Earth. Here in Earthy Earth. <laughs> So yeah, so that's a that's a whole 
you know, shitload of symbolism in these coins, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Just to read what Crowley says about why the sun information is loaded onto the hoed position. He says, these discs are inscribed with various symbols of mercurial character, except that the coin in the place of hoed, mercury, on the tree is marked with the cipher of the sun. This indicates the only possibility of issue from the impasse produced by the exhaustion of all the elemental forces. At the end of matter must be complete stagnation were it not, that in it is always inherent the will of the father, the great architect, the great arithmetician, the great geometer. So in this case, then Mercury will represent the logos, the word, the will, the wisdom, the eternal son, and Virgo, the virgin. And it's a hieroglyph of the cycle of regeneration, he says. So it's sort of like these are all golden. And then behind it, it looks like you have all sort of shadows of other coins, Shadow doesn't coins, it? Yeah. Shadow coins, maybe they're clipote. <laughs> <laughs> he also talks about um, the geomantic figure, yeah? Yep. Conjunctio. Conjunctio, yeah. Why does he say that? Okay, so it's not because of a graphic representation on the card. It's because Virgo is associated with conjunctio, whereas Gemini is associated with, I think, Albus. So conjunctio is quite fortunate, I think. I wrote down intelligent, luxurious, spendy, communal. <laughs> um, and that it involves lots of interactions. Something that's kind of interesting is that, you know how in geomancy, you can kind of generate the opposite figure mm -hmm. by saying where you have two dots, you put one you, dot. You invert one dot, them, yeah. Two dots. So the opposite of this is carcer, right? So the one, two, the two, prison. one. The prison. So the opposite is this isolation and separation, whereas conjunctio has to do with spreading out to the people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the danger in this card of, is not not doing that. Not you know, doing that. Keeping it all right. locked up where it ceases to become wealth, as he says. Right, right. It just becomes inert matter. I think everyone should read Lon Milo Duquette's gloss on this and yeah. understanding the curly tarot. He calls it the signal for redintegration, which just to remind people is not the same as reintegration. It is regenerating the whole from one part. So yep. kind of like in uh, in botany, you know, you get the seed part and that regenerates the whole. Or like in cloning. Yeah, yeah. So Ducat talks a lot about this sort of case of constipation and Cosmi calls for... <laughs> cosmic constipation. <laughs> and he says, is there a doctor in the house? And the doctor, of course, is Mercury. Yes. The Mercury who gets things flowing again. <laughs> you know, this is probably a good chance to talk about a little bit more, if you don't mind, about Thonic Mercury, because the Thoth card, you know, is so, so much a really yeah. good Thonic Mercury. I'm going to get a book. Hold on. Okay, I've got a book, oh, okay. too, but you get yours. Okay. So I'm going to actually read, oh gosh, I really want to read the entire whatever it is, 12 line hymn to Thonic Hermes, because it's so good. Um, and it has... Well, I like it. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure people would like to hear it. Yeah. And it's like, I have the, you know, the the spooky set to music version that people can listen to on my website, tzsandchang.com. And Gordon White actually used it on Halloween in his workings and it broke his computer or something, which I feel rather proud of. Sorry. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of do it line by line. 
Mercury um, was retrograde then too. He was, yeah. yeah. Kokyutu So this is about like Kokyutu is the Kokaitis, that river in Hades. Mm-hmm. So it says dwelling by the Kokaitis, the paths of necessity from which no one returns. So that's setting the scene there. Hospsuchasneitonkatagesuponerteragayes. Uh, the one who leads the souls of men into the nether regions of the earth. Herme, Bakechoroyo, Dionysoyo, Genethlon, Kaipafies, Cures, Helico, Blefaru, Aphrodites. So this is genealogy. It says Hermes, who's kin to Dionysus, and, um, you know, winking or <laughs> spiral eyed Aphrodite, uh, the maid of Paphos. And then he says, Hos para Persephones hierondomon amphipoleois. You, besides Persephone, by Persephone's side, you care for her holy home. So that's draws that connection between Hermes and his role. Like he is not just a guest in the home of Hades. He has a job there. There's something he's got to do. Let's see. Ainomorois psychais pompos katagayan huparkon. Uh, you lead, you are the guide of the sad fated souls down below the earth. Has katages hopotan moires chronos esafiketai. So you lead them down there when their fate, their time has come. So this is a great line. It means like you touch them with your holy wand, <laughs> meaning your caduceus, which is his all access pass to the underworld. Euroi means very holy. So, uh, you know, like Hierophant, Euroi, putting them all to sleep. Mm. That means, and then waking them up again. I guess when you get there. Soigare doke timen Persephonea thea katatartaron erun. That means to you, Persephone gave the honor throughout wide Tartarus. Psuchais aenaioisneton hodon hegemoneoin to lead the immortal souls. That's the spark in the lantern, right? The immortal souls uh, of mortals. <laughs> 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 uh, on on the road to uh, to Tartarus, alamakar pempois mustais telos eslon epergois, and that's just like a very typical ending to any Orphic hymn. It basically says, you know, come on, nice give, blessed give person, goodies. give me the goodies, give me a good end to yeah. my life. Yeah, but it's just it's a barn burner. I just love this one. I almost like it at least as much as the regular Hermes ones. And now on Wednesdays, I'll sometimes say them both because I really do associate that one with this figure, the hermit figure in particular. So uh, what did you find in your book? Oh, well, um, it's just Book of Thoth. And, you know, we're, we were talking about this card as being kind of a glyph of the great work and the complete, yeah. completion yeah. of that. So at the end of this, you know, he, he says, Six it, Vobis, it is for you. But then it's followed by an oath uh, that he says was written during the the dawn meditation. Mm. And it sounds very um, appropriate for that idea of the great work and the hermit. So it says, Iowaz, confirm my troth with thee. My will inspire with secret sperm of subtle free creating fire. Mold thou my very flesh as thine. Renew my birth in childhood merry as divine enchanted earth. 
Dissolve my rapture in thine own, a sacred slaughter, whereby to capture and atone the soul of water. Fill thou my mind with gleaming thought intense and rare, to one refined, outflung to naught the word of air. Most bridal bound, my quintessential form, thus freeing from self, be found one selfhood, blent in spirit being. I just thought that was really nice. That's, uh, so that's something that Crowley He's got all, wrote. Yeah, it's, he, he says he wrote it during the dawn meditation. Mm, that concept of help me get beyond yeah. to the invisible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and embracing death in a way. Yeah, embracing death and also it's got all the four elements and, and them all being refined into one at the end of all things, I guess. Yeah, and I love the idea that, you know, we in the West tend to think of a life as sort of stopping at death. But that's not the normal way to think about death, right? Sort of globally and through history. It's a journey, just as the life is a journey. And you need a guide to help you on the journey because it ain't easy. The Mercury figure is that friend to mortals who can help you. Yep. As well as, according to repute, you know, all your dead relatives <laughs> supposedly are supposed to come and help you too. But I don't know how helpful all of them are. <laughs> I guess it depends how they did themselves. Yeah, yeah he says something about um, the inner meaning of the card. This is the last of all the cards and represents the sum total of all the work that has been done from the beginning. Again, that's sort of like the occultum lapidum, the hidden stone is implied in here. Therefore, in it is drawn the very figure of the tree of life itself. This card to the other 35 small cards is what the 21st trump, the universe, is to the rest, I guess, of the majors. Yeah. The 10 of Discs doesn't bear a huge resemblance, I don't think, as much to its majors, although it's very yellow, like, you know, Magus Mercury. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's got the colors right. There's such a gravity to these late disc cards. You know, you really feel like you're being drawn down into a well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, just like yours. Yeah. You literally, is literally. Being drawn down into a well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's a good segue to your card. Yeah. Okay. So more um, symbols of Mercury. Yeah. It was another way of doing a similar thing to what Crowley and Harris did in their card. In mm-hmm. this case, the. The tree of life, you know, can be equated to the human body. Mm-hmm. And they call that the Adam Kadmon, the mm-hmm. primordial man that exists in Keter. That's the sum total of the great work. So at the Keter position, we have Mercury's helmet. So it's the crown, the crown of Keter. And it's got the little yod on it. Ah, uh, yeah. Um for the hermit, of course. It's like a sun disc, but with, instead of dot, it's got the yode. Yep. Yeah, so the, this Adam Cadman figure is said to exist mm-hmm. at the tip of the yode in Keter. So then you, you at the crown position, you have Mercury's hat. So if you look at the Mercury card next to this card, you'll see that at the supernal level, you have his crown. And then at... Um, side angle view. You, you have the side view for the two hemispheres of the brain, because in this Adam... Cadmon figure, that's where Bina and Hokma represent the two halves of the brain. And then at the level of the hands or the arms, you have what Mercury has. So in one hand, he's got touching that turn, oh, that disc on the turntable. He sure is. That's, that's what he's touching with his right hand here. And then here's what he's touching with his hand here, the spiral galaxy. That's really cool. Then at the level of Isode, 
Oh, I see. The, the, mm-hmm. the genitals mm-hmm. is where this wand is. Right. With the mercury symbol on it. It's the wand on the um, the mix maker, <laughs> turntable mm-hmm. mix maker thing. Uh, yeah. It's, like a, it's a lever on it. And that's what's at the Yusod level. Then here at the levels of Netzach and Hode, you have a sun symbol mm-hmm. and a lemniscate symbol from these two sides. Yeah. But I inter- So that's at the bottom of the Magus card, left and right. Yeah, on the on the turntable thingy, the, the mm-hmm. table that he's working on, there's a sun and there's a lemniscate, and those are at that level, mm-hmm. which are the legs and the feet of the body. And I put both the sun and the lemniscate on both of them kind of like a reminder about how it's it's both to put that same solar emphasis and mm-hmm. hode as Crowley did, but also like to remind that it's for magic you need both the emotions and and the intellect. Yes. So they they're they both are there at that right. level. And then at the bottom level the you see at the middle of the turntable here we have these four trees of life. Yeah. Well the Malkut disc has those four trees of life but put so that they're all connected at Malkut. So it looks like a solar cross. So it cross. looks like a solar cross, a symbol of Malkut. That's wicked cool. And then at the heart level, at the Tiferet level, you have the flame, which is the flame in the lantern of the hermit mm-hmm. and, and also the yod. And then the background of the card has the, you know, that uh, descent into the vault or the the well or whatever it is that uh, that underground passage that the hermit is descending into mm-hmm. because again there's that descent or ascent into or out of matter like this could be the whole descent of everything collected but it also can be like the money rising up out of the piggy bank mm-hmm. to be used. Mm-hmm. So it goes both ways. Yeah. And the story, you know, we're in that sort of final phase of the maiden's journey where Persephone goes both down. It's a round trip. She goes down yeah. and back up yep. with the help of Mercury. So yeah, that little tiny black little space is the opening, the mm-hmm. uh, shamanic opening into the earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so part cool. of the, the descent into matter or the ascent back into coin slot. <laughs> yeah, the piggy bank. <laughs> it's like the culmination of both the material world and the spiritual world. I love, love, love that blue in the background. Oh, that's one of my favorite yeah, colors, yeah. actually. That kind of twilight, purpley blue. Yeah, how did you grade it so smoothly? A <laughs> lot of layers. <laughs> yeah. Layer after layer of different colors. Yeah. Until it blended. Yeah. yeah. Which was hard to do with inks on yeah. basically what amounts to plastic. Yeah. I mean, it's like something that we do in five seconds digitally is like such a, such a much more alchemical process by hand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it takes a, a lot of layers until it looks right. Yeah. But when you do it, it like looks so luminous in a way that I don't think that it does as a digital product. That's why I love analog art. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. it does have that quality, that organic quality just adds a spirit of life right. that I don't see very often, or I don't want to make any digital artists upset, but I don't see that same life in digital art as I do in analog art. Well, and I mean, from an artist's point of view, you can't think how you would do it. Because right? the imperfections yeah. are what give it that life, I mm-hmm. think, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like 
in the weaving of a rug, how they would weave an imperfection into it on purpose. It's like you almost That's need it. that organic quality. Yeah, I did a uh, piece for NPR many years ago for their This I Believe series on, on I, I called it I Believe in Analog, and it was all about the imperfections and, uh, yeah, in the digital age. Then the only thing left that we haven't mentioned, there's wheat, wheat in there from uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> from the hermit card. Right. I like the way, um, you know, all of the outside of the card comes from the hermit and all of the inside imagery in the coins comes from the magus. Yeah. You know, Mercury... Yep. In this decan of Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And just one sort of thing to add about the Mercury sort of journey down there and uh, Persephone's round trip journey is that she is going down there to meet her bridegroom. It really is her marriage, you know, even mm-hmm. though it's cast as an abduction story. <laughs> yeah. It's like on the one hand, her descent to meet her bridegrooms on one end of the season but when she returns up that's like the refecundation of the earth so it's a marriage of a different kind in some of the stories she actually grows to love being down there yeah exactly and i like that there's sort of like a a love story on either end you know it kind of works for both hemispheres that way (laughs) yeah oh and the colors Mm, um colors the color of this card is black rayed yellow Mm -hmm. so you kind of see that in the coins on mm-hmm. my card, the, like yeah. there's areas of black with yellow rays through it, especially in that center fl- around the flame. They look like gold coins that have been weathered a little in the creases. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then the rest of the colors would be all the mercury colors, yellows, purples, grays, and indigos, flecked mm-hmm. violet, and then uh, all the hermity colors of yellow, green, slate, green, gray, and plum. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing that, you know, that those those serpents in Netzach and Hod remind me of is your Queen of Swords, right? Where she's got, you know, yeah, that, serpents that, on her scales. They were put there in the Queen of Swords on purpose because this is her shadow decan. Right. So the imagery right, right, was right. incorporated um, there. That's how you did it. Yeah. Yeah. The images there are, yeah, they don't have the solar mm-hmm. aspect. They mm-hmm. have the lemniscate, but not the sun. Probably because it's just Shadow Deacon. <laughs> Who knows why the muse does what it does? Who knows why? <laughs> but I always think of your Queen of Swords as relating to that Astrea myth mm-hmm. of like the maiden who was so disillusioned with humanity that she separated herself from humanity and rose to the skies. Mm. The princess in exile, Queen of Swords figure. Yeah, I think that's all there is to say. Oh. Although I will say, since this is the last one of the decanic minors, mm-hmm. um, it makes me think of what Lady Frida says is how I should like to do them all again. <laughs> yes. Because there's always more to say. I know. All right. So is this something that you see much of? Kind of. Not. A, I wouldn't say as much as I'd like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it sometimes, but yeah, not like same here. loads and loads. It always feels like a very special day when you get it mm. somehow. I can also see this card as being not only death, but reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I always think of it believe in that. as having to do with those cycles mm. and generations within a family. In fact, I got it on Mother's Day this year when Zoe... My daughter made me waffles from my aunt's recipe and put them on my grandmother's plate. So there was like this whole... Were there 10 of them in a tree of life formation? (laughs) They were pretty huge. I don't think there could have been 10. But no, they were 
or not. I do often put pancakes in a tree of life formation on Saturday. They have to be silver, but... <laughs> silver dollar pancakes. Yeah. And I also went for a walk in Rattlesnake Gutter, you know, which is near our house. I don't know. There's something, Rattlesnake Gutter is a very interesting walk because there's a ravine right below the path. So there, it kind of reminded me of that sort of underworld quality. And there's, you know, rocks and boulders and like, passages into the earth all through it. Oh, I got it in last year when Mercury turned direct. That was nice. And the hot water came back on. <laughs> yeah, my in-laws came one time and helped us paint the kitchen. That was another multi-generational manifestation of it. The very last time I got it was October 9th, which was the day I launched the Living Tarot online tarot course. And I was just shocked because so many people showed up. And of course, which was profitable for me as well. So both both the concept of community and wealth were sort of embedded in that day mm. in that card for me. Nice. Yeah. When I get it, it's usually either about money or about spiritual stuff or the body, you mm -hmm. know? It's mm -hmm. it's strange. It can often be more that than than money. Do you ever get it for like needing to sleep or something? <laughs> Because it's a, such ah, a card. Of I have. I haven't rest. noticed it for that. Yeah, yeah. It would kind of make sense, but I haven't gotten it for that either. Maybe we'll get that with the princess, <laughs> Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Right. All right. Are we ready to wrap her up? Yep. Shall we wrap up all seventy-eight cards while we're at? It? <laughs> no. um, all right. So that'll be with the princess. With the princess. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? We'll just do a twenty-four hour marathon. <laughs> All right, so uh, wrapping up the final one of the Decanic Miners with the Ten of Pentacles or Disc, the Lord of Wealth, Mercury and Virgo. So we talked about how this is the final stage in the maiden's journey. She was, uh, she began in the material world in Capricorn. She sought to bridge the worlds in Taurus. And then here in Virgo, she looks to her departure with the sort of final refinement of the eight of discs or pentacles, the recognition of its value in the nine of pentacles or discs, the sort of card of the woman's worth. And then the 10, where she becomes the matriarch or passes on her legacy through multiple generations. Oh, and she goes to meet her bridegroom, Hades, in the Persephone myth. Oh, and we talk about, we talked a little bit about both the secret seed and the fruit, how redintegration is the regeneration of a whole from a part, like the seed, becoming the new plant. We talked about the three ages of man. Mm -hmm. childhood, uh, adulthood and marriage, and old age. We talked about Mercury as the old man uh, and as being the thonic form, or Hermes Chthonios, that form of Mercury, specifically the one who leads the elderly and the those passing to the underworld, the psychopomp Hermes. And we talked about dogs as being conductors of souls. Mm -hmm. One foot in each realm. The other thing about dogs, too, is sometimes they're used as a symbol of gluttony, which this card is mm. so very full. I could see it that way, too. I mean, if you've ever had a dog, they are gluttons. Yeah, you <laughs> can't will, just leave food out for they them. Will they will eat, eat it all. and eat and eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about Odysseus and his dogs. Mm. Mm. Sad story. Sad story. Argus the dog. And we talked about Cerberus. Did we talk about Cerberus? Not really, but just in passing. Mention. We talked about the so below part of as above, so below. 
We talked about cosmic constipation. (laughs) We're so immature, God. (laughs) Remember in the four of discs and the squatty potty? (laughs) Well, there's a big connection between those cards because that is is, uh, associated with the sun, too. And here the sun is Mm -hmm. the laxative. Right. So the the four shows what happens if you you can't get things moving. Yeah. You know, and this is as as we talked about Crowley's calling it the summum bonum and the great work finished. And the great work has been, you know, is represented as lead into gold but also as waste as shit into gold yep. as well. It's not irrelevant. As well as like there's a lot of themes of death in this yeah, card. Yeah. They're definitely death and old age. Yeah. We talked about the body as the temple that holds the spirit and how you have to use your wealth, but you also have to use your time here on the earth. Yeah, and the final stage in the Kabbalistic descent of Malkut in Asiya. And, uh, you know, it might be, I didn't mention this, but it might not be a bad time to mention the ending phrases in the lesser banishing Ritual of the mm. pentagram when you do the Kabbalistic cross and it goes Ata Malkut Vugevura Vugedula Leolam. Olam. So, which means, you know, to you, the kingdom and the power, the power and, and the, the glory. glory unto the ages. Unto the ages. So, Gevura we know is uh, power, but uh, Gedula is also a way of saying chesed, um, bigness, glory. So Malkut and Asiya, the kingdom in the material or earthly realm. We talked about discrimination and uh, discernment as virtues of Malkut and inertia and avarice as its opposite, its vice. Memory and memory palaces, Mm. the cluttered attics of Hermes. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about conjunctio and its inversion. Right, in Carcer. Mm -hmm. We talked about the star alpha star of virgo in the stecken speaker the ear of grain we talked about archangel sandalfon who lies beneath the feet of the shekinah and gathers our prayers for uh, the divine into garlands <laughs> into garlands yep and archdemon namaa who uh works with lilith the archdemon of yesod and we talked about the Adam Cadman, the primordial man um, imposed onto the tree of life and said to exist in at the tip of the yod in Keter. We talked about all the different symbols of Mercury on the Thoth card in different languages, which is appropriate, Enochian and Hebrew and uh, alchemical script. Seems so appropriate to have all those codes on there. Definitely. All the names of Mercury. Talked about the symbol for redintegration, the hounds of Yesod, and the stylized flags of Winchelsea, many mystic numbers, a lot of gematria. And passageways above and below. Yes, the ascent and the descent. As above, so below. Oh, we talked about Big Casino, (laughs) the Ten of Diamonds, (laughs) also known as the Good Ten. We talked about Dionysus and Persephone and the Orphic Hymn to Chthonic Hermes. The sleeping and the waking and the magic wand, the caduceus that is Mercury's all-access pass. I think that's it. I think that's it. <sighs> All right. You're in the cosmic dustbin. You're in the cosmic dustbin. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed sharing in the wealth of knowledge that uh, this card represents. 
the wealth of knowledge, the wealth of wealth, <laughs> the riches of Mercury, and this long journey that we've been on through the small cards. And the sum of the great work, it is for you. It is for you, or thus may it be for you. Sixit vobis. And we shall be back with our final quartet, starting with the Knight or King of Pentacles. See you then. <laughs>